Hi guys, welcome to episode four of the Rough You and Grace podcast. I'm Meredith. And I'm Paul. So today, um, the the path we want to take is talking about kind of, you know, what's what's happened since November in the last couple of months. What's what's going on now? What's different? What um, What is the result, so to speak, of um, a lot of the things that we've shared in the last couple of podcasts, which by the way... Um, you know, we've really had a lot of great feedback and we really appreciate the the messages and the comments and just even the amount of people that have listened. So um, it's really motivated us to, to keep this going and to kind of brought to light a lot of different paths and directions that we can take in uh, what to talk about. But today is focused on for us and for... Um, for how to take this all in, it's really what is different from this time, meaning like what is different from this confession or from this um, admission versus any of the other times that maybe I've opened up to Meredith and kind of express the need to change or that I was going to change and and how do you really see the the genuine and authentic um, effort in how things will be different are going to be different can be different um, and how it affects your life our lives um, kind of entirely and what some of the things are there that have changed so um that's what we want to really discuss through today. So it's not a question and answer. It's not any real history or story. It's just talking through um, what what actually is gonna make the change stick um, for me primarily in staying faithful and clean. I guess you could call it. Um, so I wanted to start this by by asking Meredith the question, though, of what she has seen that is different or what even inside, like what a consciously or subconsciously, you know, like your gut, like what what is different? Between now and June or November and June, I guess. And to revisit, yeah, I mean, June is, is a time when I had really brought forward a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I needed to tell Meredith, but not everything, not everything. Right. It was like partial disclosure. Right. So, and there was, that was filled with a lot of, uh, no Meredith, you can't talk to other people and Mm. you know, I will (laughs) go do this or go do that. Never did type. Do you want me to answer the question? You can answer it for me. 
good point. <laughs> well, I, mean, I just want to, you know, to, you, you refer to these things as if it's sure. common knowledge. But there's still you, a lot of... So you want me to at, answer how I feel that it's different this time? To start, yeah. Okay. Well, so like you mentioned, in June, I... I mean... So let's back up a minute. We just played a clip of a song called Into the Sea and that it wasn't a a song that I was listening to over and over again, but the day that I found out in June what you disclosed, I was actually walking out to the third paddock and I was going to feed and water the pigs and I was just a little bit into the third pasture past the gate when I got your text message. And it felt like I got hit by a falling boulder. And I I was very upset, obviously. And I just kind of stood there for a minute and cried. But then this song started in my head. Like I could hear it. And so immediately following the feeling of being flattened by a giant falling object, there was this incredible feeling of, I'm here with you. And you're not alone and it's going to be okay and i couldn't fathom in my mind how it was going to be okay like it was like nothing is ever going to be okay but okay and that's i really felt like god was saying to me like it's going to be all right and you don't have to do this alone and so we walk into this situation and i immediately decide that i'm not going to let myself be angry i am going to find a way to love you through it um and we kind of move forward, but some of the things I asked of you, you didn't want to do. I wanted to um, talk with friends. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to tell my girlfriends. I wanted to have somebody to talk to. I wanted you to talk to somebody. I wanted you to get involved in a support group. I knew that you would need fellowship through this that I couldn't give you um, because I was the the maligned party, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew enough about addiction at that point to understand that there were things you were going to need in order to succeed and fight this. And I wanted you to get them, but you were very resistant. You didn't want to do any of those things. Uh, a couple of th- things you said you would do, but then you didn't. And I was not, I was not strong enough in holding those boundaries that I set. And so... I mean, I guess in my head, I thought, well, it'll be okay. He and I will just get through it together and God's with us and that's fine. And that really, that kind of started us on the path of where we ended up now. It definitely... That was my my question is like, why did that, why was that okay? Why was it okay that that I didn't hold the boundaries or that that I let it go? Right. Um, Because I felt no... I mean, I don't know if the word is repercussions. For sure. Me. Like, I mean, you can't punish me <laughs> right. in ways. I guess you could, but um, emotionally, anyways. But you didn't. Right. So that that was. I didn't. That's my then. question. It's like why? Why? After it was very evident, pretty quick. Um. That there wasn't really going to be this big shift or change. Why did you? Well, immediately there was a big shift. There was a big shift in our relationship in terms of closeness. I felt like sure. and. and to me, in those first few weeks, I would say that I felt closer to you than I ever had, and it felt like we were making this big shift. Um, 
And there was enough of a positive change that I was like, okay, cool. Maybe we can do this. Maybe mm. we can do it ourselves. And I mean, to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling like, hey, let's go tell everybody. It'll be fine. Everybody will be cool with it. I was a little bit terrified to have to tell people. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe this can just be easier if we just keep it to ourselves and you and me and God can all work it together and it'll be fine. Um, and again, there was enough of a positive change. And then came the new job that had you traveling. And I, oh man, I felt it in the pit of my stomach when you took that job. I was like, this is not, this is not a great situation, but it will pay the bills. It'll pay the bills and look how much he's changed. Look how far he's come. You know, I just, I, Meredith, just have to stay on top of it with him and be a very proactive accountability partner, which I am not good at. And so the wheels came off pretty fast, and I felt the shift. And so this is this isn't certainly supposed to be or going to be an interrogation of you. <laughs> That's fine. But you know, you, even so, the way that you word it, right? Mm-hmm. You took this job, right? As if one day I came home and said, "Hey, I got this job." And no, we talked about it together. I definitely did I mean, not. This was months in the making, right? I. So why? Like that, but I didn't have any of that conversation. I didn't have you express any of that. No, fear. I didn't say those things to you. Why? Mm, well, for one, we had been doing so well in those beginning, I don't know, it was three or four weeks, maybe, maybe not even, but it's like things are so much better. Things are looking up. Like we're, we were really diving deeper into our faith. We had started a Bible study. There were people, you know, coming to our home and things were going good. Um, I, It was such an amazing opportunity for you. And I was so proud because that job, it was because of how exemplary you are. And it felt like I was watching you finally get the position that you truly deserved, I guess. Not that you haven't had amazing jobs before with people that we absolutely adore. That's that's not what I'm saying. This doesn't negate any of the wonderfulness of those jobs. I'm saying that this position was really like everything you'd ever wanted to do and you were going to be able to use your unique skill set and I was happy for you. Hmm. I did not want to take that from you, especially coming off of everything we just come off of because I, f- I really felt like at the beginning of June when you told me everything that I had come very close to losing you. And I don't mean like you divorcing me. I mean like you leaving the planet, losing you. And I was so glad that you hadn't gone. And, and I was afraid. I was afraid to be angry with you mm-hmm. because I was afraid you couldn't handle it. I was afraid to say no to this position because I thought it would hurt you if I did. And I didn't want, I will, I wasn't confident enough that you would be okay if I said no. And I didn't want to harm you at all. Hmm. And I thought that I was being paranoid. Like maybe I'm just being paranoid. Oh, you're being too paranoid, Meredith. You always do that, you know? I second guessing myself to so, do it. Uh, um, an odd question. Did you worry or did you know that something would happen? 
That is a difficult question. I don't know that I thought about it long enough to answer that question. The thought came into my head that this was going to put you in a position where you were away from me and I wouldn't have any kind of oversight or control into your actions. And I thought, well, he can be in control of his own actions. It'll be fine now that this is out in the open. Like, And honestly, had you, had you come fully clean in June, I don't know that we would have had. Hmm. I, I don't know. But then again, we probably still would have had the problems because you weren't ready enough to make the complete change, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I, again, with the, I didn't want it to be difficult, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't know if it was just like emotional laziness. I know that sounds terrible, but um, I don't know. I didn't feel like I could say no, not because of you. It was obviously internal for sure. I was just afraid. And so what's different now? This time around, like what is, Ooh. what are the things that well, give you confidence that this is a different situation? So this time around, I knew stuff was going on. And I called you out on it. And I said, get that shit taken care of. Now. And the next day you were a jerk, right? Because I confronted you on a Sunday night. Monday morning, you were a jerk. You confessed to, um, like, watching porn again, I think it was. And I confronted you about it, and that didn't go well. And then you wouldn't kiss me goodbye, and you didn't pray with me before you left. And I was just like, I'm dead on about this. And I was thinking that I was just going to find out that the porn habit had resurfaced, and that was all there was to it. And, you know, I was pissed, but it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. What happened two days later was I found out that it was a really big deal um, and more things had happened. But then you, when I confronted you again, you sent me an email and you listed everything. And um, I kind of lost it a little bit. I finally let myself get angry. Because I, I was like, no, mm-mm. I was so mad. I was so mad. And I was, my first knee-jerk reaction was, I need to talk to a friend. I have to talk to a friend. And I put my foot down. And you said, okay. I said, great. Um, so I called my friend. And she came over. And... Uh, she talked to me and she read through the email and it was full disclosure and I said I don't know what to do because I couldn't fathom three kids and a single mother (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do uh and I felt really trapped in that moment because I didn't feel like I was like what literally what will I do and she said well if you want to leave we will help you leave I said how how could I, how could I leave? How, like, have you seen my home? The amount of stuff that we have is insane. How will I even pack it? Like all these practical things that I never think of are hitting me in the face and the heart right now. And she just, as cool as a cucumber, looks at me and said, if you want to leave, all of your friends will come over and pack up your things and we will pool our funds and we will ship you back to Arizona 
even though we don't want to say goodbye to you. And immediately the weight was lifted. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I can make a decision with no pressure. Now there's nothing. I can literally do whatever I want. And I, I'm free. So I screamed and I cried an awful lot that day. And you came home. I called you on the phone and you said, regardless, I'm coming home. And I was like, okay. So I think you met me out in the barn. I was, I was shoveling a horse stall. It was my therapy. I was therapizing yeah. myself. And it should be, I mean, talked about or stated anyways that like coming home, that's, I mean, it was a three and a half hour drive from yes. where I was. It wasn't just like 20 minute away. Right. No, you were coming Quick from little, across the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going yeah. from Detroit back to Muskegon, so. And I remember saying to you on the phone, like you were, you were really upset and I, I can't remember my exact wording, but I said, I will be here when you get home. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to reassure you, like, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here when you get home. Um, so I'm out in the stall and you came walking into the barn and you said, do you want to hit me? Is that what you said? Do you? I'm sure. I don't it was something to that effect. Like, do I want to punch you or something? And in my head, I saw like a cartoon version of me hitting you and then me like flying backwards because I can't hit. And I was like, that would be wholly unsatisfying for me. So I didn't. And instead, I remember saying, I'm sorry if you think this this was going to be easy, but it's not. And I think, <laughs> I, think, I think I laid into you pretty good. I said, I said things that I feel bad about now. Um... We hadn't talked through anything yet about who I would disclose to, but I remember standing by the chicken coop and saying, if you ever do this again, I'm telling the entire world what you've done or something to that effect. Like, I don't know. I laid into you pretty good. And I let myself be angry, which I hadn't in June because I was afraid. I was so afraid you'd hurt yourself or something. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like what kind of mental state you were in to be doing these things to begin with was really a concern for me. Like, I, as mad as I was, I didn't want you to do anything stupid because I love you. You're the father of my children and that would be devastating to them. Mm-hmm. But so this time I let you have it. And I think I needed to because I had held in a lot since June. And you, you got snarky one time and I looked at you and said, don't you effing dare. And that was the last bit of sass you gave me. And you just stood there and took it and nodded and agreed with me. And that was good. That's what <laughs> definitely needed to happen. Um, I don't know. I, I can't remember all the things I demanded in those very heated moments. Um, but it was really good, like, emotional catharsis to finally be able to tell you how you made me feel because you made me feel awful. And... I wasn't afraid of you hurting yourself anymore because I told you, and I told you in those moments, I said, if you, if you kill yourself over this, you're an idiot. You have three children that love you. Like, figure it out. And I was very upset, but I wasn't afraid anymore because I know that people make their own decisions and there's, it's not my responsibility, you know, to tell you what to do and what not to do. Right. So, allowing myself to be angry that that was necessary. And that was a big difference from 
June to November on my part. And I think you probably needed to see how I actually felt. Because uh, mm-hmm. hiding it certainly wasn't helping anybody. Um, but then I remember coming into the house. And you were sitting on the floor couch and you were on your phone. And my first thought was, of course he's on his freaking phone. Why wouldn't he be on his phone right now? Like our entire marriage just exploded and he's on his phone. And I think I snarkily said, what are you doing? And you said, I'm looking at that Blazing Grace website that you sent me because there's a, there's a Christian ministry that deals with um, sexual addiction, infidelity, all of this. And I had sent it to you back in June. And of course you, I don't think really looked into it then, but you were looking at it then. And I just remember looking at you and hearing God say, he's broken. And then in my head, I thought, I'm broken. He's broken like I'm broken. We're both broken. The same. And the next thing I felt, it's not like I heard voices in my head, but you know that feeling when the Spirit's talking to you via emotions, and it was, I need you to love him, and I need you to forgive him. He needs you to love him. And I was like, oh. And all of the anger that had just been burning in my chest was gone. And I mean like somebody took a magic eraser and poof, it was gone. I, it, I didn't have access to it anymore. Um, which is, if anybody out there listening knows me, is my go-to cloak and shield when I'm hurting is my anger. I get angry to protect myself. I get angry because I feel strong there. I feel safe in my anger because I can hurt you with words and then nothing else can hurt me. And so I felt very vulnerable. But the next thing to happen was that this supernatural amount of love, like this overwhelming feeling of love that I had never experienced before outside of like the day my children were born, like those moments that love that swells up inside you that's what came in so the vacuum where the anger was was just filled and it wasn't something I chose and it wasn't something I did God supplanted all my anger with a love that I think only he can give us I think that it's the same way he feels about us as his children and I think that I don't know if everybody gets to feel this in their life but it was the biggest gift I've ever gotten because it wasn't just a matter of God showing you how much he loved you through me. But then I looked back at my past and I said, well, if he loves you this much, he loves me this much too. And even though I had put to rest a lot of the pain of my abortion and being adopted, there was still that little child inside me that needed very much to feel that this is how God loves me. And yeah. Um, so that was massively different because I didn't, I didn't feel that really in June, like maybe a shadow of it in June, but this time it was just inescapable. And I was like, wow. Okay, cool. But it was all God, not me. I can't claim any right to that. I'm just a willing recipient of that kind of feeling. And so 
I laid out very carefully. This is, this is where we get into how it was really different. I laid out to you what I needed. I said, we need to sit down and talk with your dad. Mm-hmm. And you need an accountability partner that isn't me. That's a male you can trust, somebody that's godly. Because you're going to have things that you probably want to talk about with them before you say them to me. Just a sounding board, right? That's what I was thinking. Maybe, maybe they can help you say it differently or time it right. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just wanted you to have somebody that wasn't me to be your person. And then I said, and I'm going to call up Blazing Grace and I'm going to speak to somebody. And so I did. She and I talked for a while. She had been through it with her husband. It had ended in divorce, but then they had actually reconciled later as they both came to Jesus. So that was a big thing. And and one of the things she said that stuck with me was that he's going to remember things later on that he hasn't told you yet. And it's not because he doesn't want to tell you. He just hasn't remembered them. Hmm. So I made you promise me that anything new you remembered, you would tell me. And I told you, I was very clear. I said, I've forgiven you for everything that's gone before and we'll deal with anything else that would happen as it comes. Um... I don't know if it was the smart thing to do, but I also said that if anything does happen beyond this, we will find a way to work through it because I felt very much convicted in my heart that Satan wasn't going to get to take any more things from me. And that included you in this marriage. And I believed that so long as we keep God at the center of our marriage, we'll be able to get through whatever comes next. And I mean, that's regardless of what actions you choose to take. I don't know if that's, crazy or some sort of self-masochism or what, but you agreed to everything. And so the next couple weeks were more disclosure, lots of talking. Um, I said we were going to get in the word every day. And I mean, immediately we did. You know, one of the steps originally was you were going to get into some sort of counseling program or men's group but I mean we also didn't foresee some of the things playing out with jobs that have yeah um so it's definitely a good lesson just in general too when you're talking about um like leaving and leaving anything you know it's like when when you know you can mm. and it calms you to a place of actually making the decision mm-hmm. instead of like feeling like you have to right or i remember my dad actually telling me a story a long time ago of he's in a teaching job it was horrendous and i think he talked to the principal or something to this i'm murdering the story but um, <laughs> yeah and and the principal told him well yeah I mean, you can leave if you don't like it like it wasn't that big of a deal and I was like right. well you can go <laughs> right and just knowing that yeah, I can go like you're not ever really trapped right even though a lot of us think that we are yeah. that actually calms yourself into a, a place where you can think more clearly anyways right um so one of the things that um I definitely want to just touch on is you know a lot of the a lot of the conversation is also 
whether currently or you know sometime in the future having that the conversation here to refer back to mm-hmm. meant to hopefully help people who are in similar situation mm-hmm. struggle etc right and so that's why this conversation is important because it, it is different mm-hmm. um it's not really a um you'll just know it when you know it type conversation i mean there's there's you'll know it when it happens it's not it's not really an emotional difference necessarily um it's a it's a practical difference like things actually start happening um that are producing a positive forward movement right and the crazy thing though is that you know you have to go through all of the different times the different things the timing is exactly what it is supposed to be right and everyone has a different experience with that and that's something that i struggled with um not at first really having the true like representation of my exact circumstance because everyone is different so it's like you're looking for a reference of well how am i supposed to feel mm. And all you really have a reference towards is what you've done before. But what you, when it comes to um, not having gone all the way previously mm. in telling you everything that I had been doing or done, well, that that's all I had to draw off of. I don't have any experience of what does it mean to actually hit rock bottom or what does it mean to choose a accountability partner or Mm -hmm. where are the people who will support me versus the people who will turn their back on me um, from our own circle of friends, which we've had both Um, family, which has been all support. But um, what is the, the real kind of place to go to create an understanding that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the focus really for me became, um, I guess it's it became letting myself hurt so much of so much of what I had done before. Um, I think it's important because I think we go through the cycles of this, regardless of what the addiction. So much, of, so much of what I did before. Before what? Before November, so okay. so any time before, gotcha. in my okay. entire life, not like before our marriage, just before November. It was it was always in a effort to downplay or desensitize the pain. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It's not about the person. It's not about how much I'm causing pain to that person. It's not about, it's about God. Name. It's not about faith. It's not about what people maybe even would think mm-hmm. about me or how they would respond. It's 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 
is creating a, a bubble that, okay, how much can I get through with the least amount of impact while still getting through it, knowing consciously that I have to make certain admissions to get through it. Mm. So just bare minimum admission. Bare minimum. Right. So that you feel good for it's like a it's like a like a dopamine hit almost. Sure. It's like you feel good for a minute because you did do this thing. You did. Right. You did a good let thing. In, you did a good yeah. thing. You let the person in. You were honest. Mm-hmm. Um. But I didn't really feel any pain. And so with you specifically, so this gets really specific with two different people too and how we each right. react in our own histories and experiences and how they blend together in this one moment of time. Right. You are generally pretty forgiving <laughs> um, when it comes to the the aftermath. Okay, so what I mean by that is like, you make split second decisions mm-hmm. where you might not be very forgiving. Right. Right? So like before in your relationships before it's like I'm out bounce bye. Right. Never talk to the person again. Nope. But if you but but even if you're angry like with me it's like you were you were I'm not saying forgiving of the person, forgiving of the action. So it's like I can mm-hmm. make a bunch of promises to you. And regardless of whether or not those are fulfilled, you're generally forgiving if you're still around of those things. Mm. You don't you don't hold accountable. There's not like an accountability of th- there's there's feelings and you're thinking probably the whole time that you have to maybe even get better at that or or should do or find a way to do or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that played into What's crazy is that 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 you not making it more painful on me. Mm. The the first few times when we're talking about you know admissions of porn use years ago, uh, you know, getting halfway there June with telling you about actually following through in different instances with um, in my travels and hotels and stuff that. That not so bad reaction, though, still is in the back of my head. The like next it's time, it's not going to be that. Like it's bad. not going to be that bad. Can I? Can I just say something? Real yeah, quick? yeah. So, I have to confess that a lot of my not overt reaction previously probably had to do with the fact that I was on my third marriage, and for society's sake, I mean. Every guy watches porn, so, you know, I'm still in the mindset that that porn is something I don't like, but that it's not this huge thing because in my head it was just porn, right? In fact, I had a friend say to me, well, I mean, at least he's not buying hookers. Mm -hmm. Which, which, I probably said that to you. No. Even though, whether or not it was even a lie, or maybe even thought it. Sure. Even knowing it was a lie, but well, I mean, since you know that, then I'd say that, you know what I mean? It's right. like this whole cycle of... Right. I mean, you know, and even with hookers, it's like, well, at least it's not... At least it's not an affair with not, a different person with right, my heart involved. Leaving right. it for sure. so-and-so or whatever. But I mean, so in my head already, I've diminished my own 
like I've invalidated my own feelings about porn and I'm thinking, honestly though, a bunch of other women deal with this and they're not complaining. Like, what do you even care? At least, you, you know, at least it's not something worse. And you're on your third marriage. Like, at what point are you going to get this right? There was a whole lot mm-hmm. of that that went into why I kept, like, just allowing the porn habit to continue. And it made me mad every time. But again, I didn't also know the scope then. I didn't realize that it was literally starting up like a week after we would talk about it. Had I known that then, and you said timing is really important earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's super important. Yeah. Because had any of this come out earlier in our marriage, I would have left you. If 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 I hadn't gotten to this spot in my walk with God that I could hear him saying it's going to be okay inside my soul mm. in June, I would have left you. Yeah. So... All of these things had to come full circle. God had to become this part of my life that I had thought that he was, but couldn't fathom. It's like all these pieces. We had to be here with these people that were going to hold us together and say, hey, we got you. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a support system in that same way that we have now. Not that we didn't True. have people that we love. We do. And they absolutely probably would have supported us, but we have found this community here that's really been a big part of our lives and our faith. And so that was a big part too. Having that community is really, really important. So I don't know yeah. that I would have been, I, I hear you saying that I was super forgiving, but again, with the emotional laziness, like how much work am I going to have to do? And it, and mm. then thinking he's just going to keep pissing me off with porn. Well, at least it's not something worse than I guess I'll just keep getting angry every time it happens. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I thought I was going to like stash that ace card for later to bring up. You know, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if it was forgiveness as much as it was. I didn't have the energy or the patience to react in the way I kind of wanted to. I was just kind of resigned to it. Um. Yeah. I don't know if that's news. No, no, it's not news. It's just the 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 message, though, and and through this whole thing, and as we work through it, and and regardless of where the where your point of faith lies, which for us was almost non-existent and now is, right. So you know, it's turned into well, that's kind of been the point, right? Right. <laughs> it's been pretty evident yeah. um, of what the purpose of this whole thing has been uh, in our marriage, but. Um, regardless of that, the timing is typically exactly what it is supposed to be, and the reaction isn't something that can be predicted, and the, the counter-reaction and the results. And, I mean, there's just so many different variables in how people um, interact based on their own experiences, mm-hmm. based on their own feeling at the time. Based, you know, there's so right. many different things. and um, The design is very evident here. Yeah, I finally found some comfort in, in 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 it being okay that we were going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, right, because you did struggle with that at the beginning. Yeah, feeling like yeah, and that that came from a variety of different places. Mm. Um, but what really changed. For me, um, and I think what what is a strange thing to say, but very 
true. It was just like when I quit smoking cigarettes. I struggled with it, mm. that, for so long. Right. For so long. And it was so easy when I tried to quit to get me back into it. Right. So easy. I hear that. <laughs> I mean, it was just one day I quit and I just didn't do it again. <laughs> right. And I was literally just ready to be done. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know why. You were just done. It happened that I had gotten wisdom teeth pulled and had been told not to smoke mm-hmm. because of that dry socket or what, whatever. But that that wasn't a, a new thing for me. Sure. I had it plenty of other times with dental work and this and that where, by the way, where I took completely disregarded the warnings right. and everything was fine. And I never, you know, because I'm that guy. I'm like, ah, whatever, I can do it. I'm, you know, it's just a warning. They're trying to cover their own, but I'll be fine. I'm that guy. Um, but I knew waking up that morning... That I eventually came home, Mm -hmm. right? And this was the day that I um, was going to get out ahead of what I already knew had happened the night before. Mm -hmm. Which was money transfers that were visible in our account. Right. And I knew that you'd be watching it like a hawk. (laughs) Well, I had to make a trailer payment that morning. Right, and there was something stupid enough. Um late at night where you're just it, it, it's like a, it's almost like hypnosis I mean it really is but where I just didn't care couldn't care less and then you wake up in the morning and you care very much and by the way nothing even um, formulated it was all a scam that I got myself into so that was embarrassing as it as it was right um, regardless there's money that came out of our bank account and the the knowledge of knowing that all of the fears of years of not just with um, this problem in marriage on my own whether it was you know infidelity or porn or it it was way further than that Mm -hmm. just the things that i have done um the 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 truths that i have hidden just this whole me that i had kind of cultivated and created Mm -hmm. that morning i knew i had to not be afraid to get to the next step again Because that's really what was for, I mean, 30 years from my adolescence. It's a fear of actually having to face or admit or be reacted to. I get very, I get embarrassed early, easy, easily, even, Mm -hmm. even as simple as that. You know what I mean? Sure. That coupled with this indulgence that I seemingly have an issue with, with all things, biting my nails. (laughs) <laughs> is a minor one you know what I mean sure. just like the things that you just do that you know are stupid that you can't stop right um 
it's like I had to not allow myself. So uh, social media is part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, just scroll. Um, I think a lot of us probably struggle with that. and A lot of us don't want to admit it regardless of um, whether or not it's actually a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing with alcohol. It's a problem to some people. It's not to others. It was just a morning of complete understanding that it's going to suck mm-hmm. probably for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And the suck is probably going to be worse than I am thinking it's going to be. Mm. You thought it would be even worse than you imagined? I don't know what I imagined. So, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I knew that it was going to suck. Yeah. I don't, I don't know really what. Did you think I was going to say? I never know what I imagined. Because, because so often um, when I do something that I don't simply don't want to do, it turns out it's not that bad. Sure. Right. So okay. whatever. Simple comfort zone things. You step out of your comfort zone. Well, and that wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Hard conversation. You didn't think this was going to be like that. Don't want to do. No. <laughs> I didn't. Um, because it's the biggest fear of my life. Right. Is actually being honest with somebody about who I am. Well, and I'm not super tame either. And you know that. Well, yeah, but, you know, again... You had demonstrated previously that you can be super tame about this type of thing. You're, you like to work in reverse. <laughs> the things that wouldn't phase anyone, you'll scream and holler about and hold against me for a year. The things that are huge like this, and you know, most people would scream and holler about and hold against for a year, you're different. I didn't choose it this time. I wanted to scream and holler. Well, no, but I mean, but but it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for you to take the big things. I mean, uh, and kind of have a calm about them, somehow. That's weird. Wow, it's not weird. It's a result of all the big things you've already kind of navigated through. Fair enough. Um, and myself too. I mean, when when you know, even in just general conversation, talking about like, well, we could never. I could never fill in the blank. Um, Move across the country. Right. How many times I ha- have we Because I have now? a dog, and it would be a pain in the butt to move across the country with my dog in the back seat. And I'm like, let me think about this. So I've done it three times with three kids, three dogs, three cats, trailer full of ducks one time. Two different U-Hauls. I mean, come on. Like, you can't. My parents. Right. So it's like, and we just kind of calmly move about that, and it's three like not that babies. even a big deal. And we don't even get stressed because people are like making excuses for us. Like, right. oh, you're probably pretty stressed out. I'm like, My cat actually like not. Rides. No, yeah. I'm stressed because I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Like, that's more stressful <laughs> than moving across the country. Anyways, I woke up that morning knowing. And so so knowing that it had to be done is different than i think i touched said before it's like it's not this uh like when you like true love like you know when you know you know when you find that person right that comes through the doing that comes through the the actual like you start doing things you never thought you were going to do or would be a part of Hmm. and so in june i avoided those things because i was still too good for it 
Right. Number one. And you weren't ready and to be done. Number two is because I was still hiding from all of it and you're not ready to be done. And there's all right. these different things going on that are just contributing to the fact that this isn't over. Well, and, and you're not over the hump at all. A practical thing to put in here for people that are going through this is that if you don't fully disclose everything, Satan is going to use every last scrap of what you hide later. I promise yeah. you. He will sneak in and say, that one thing you kept to yourself, that'll be the reason they leave you. Keep it to yourself. But then if you keep it, then you're still you're still dirty. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, if I go over there and do a little bit more of this, it's really not a whole lot different than this thing that I kept to myself. And that's how it grows. Mm-hmm. It's like a cancer and it just expands and morphs. So you have to be ruthlessly disclosing everything and your spouse needs to find a way to cope with that and i'm not saying that it's easy and i definitely cried each time he told me but i also immediately would say i have forgiven you for everything that has gone before right now and i forgive you for this too so yeah it was new to me and new information was hurting me But at the same time, we had already agreed. I had already, we being me and God, had already agreed that I forgive Paul for everything that happened before November. Yeah. And so so the actions that made it different Mm. um, is it's really one main focus Mm. um, that continues now. And it, it does unfortunately get more difficult the farther away from the event that it becomes sure right because because my ability to to navigate through things by hiding and manipulating and stuff is just there yes Um, so yeah yeah right so um the one big thing was just not allowing any sidetrack or any rabbit hole any anything to kind of move around mm. what was the actual core truth to any person through at that time it still felt temporary almost like it, it didn't feel like it was a full scale change of how I would have to like operate as a human being mm-hmm. but it did in that moment to kind of prove out that this is real Mm -hmm. Um, and since I've learned you know that unfortunately it is something that is gonna I mean it's I'm sitting here talking about it right now Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty uncharacteristic and needs to be right Um, so telling my dad yeah um, that was a big one for me telling yeah telling anyone honestly Mm -hmm. first and so immediately um, trying to achieve some form of accountability with a partner which you know we got to walk lightly around all of that just because of the the other nature of that whole situation but what I'm talking about is you know that led to me losing both jobs that I had right and that decision, but I didn't, I wasn't mad about that. Right. And so that actually contributed to me knowing and kind of reinforcing that this was going to be different because I didn't try to patch it. I could have, you know, historically I would have come over the top, so to speak, with something great and grand. 
to the initial person that I told um, who I worked for um, that you know I would I would have tried harder to smooth it over, but not in truth. Right. No, I get to it. use lies to smooth it over to right. just achieve. Um, just enough dishonesty to make things stay. Right, exactly right. Instead of just letting them happen. Right. Um, and I... And in letting them happen, then, you know, there's enough connection there with with uh, the larger job that I was working. Um, same industry, two different companies. Don't need to bore with the details, but they're starting to become connected. And so I never would have reached out to them right before wouldn't have said a word would not have said a word in this case i actually initiated the conversation and i knew although it was a supportive email response that i got back i knew that was it yep can i just say something real quick about that whole thing i first of all was so proud of you for doing that because i know what kind of cost is associated with both of those things and I, there was definitely a naive part of me that thought well maybe <laughs> it'll all work out but I cannot I am I'm glad of the gift that was given when those jobs were rescinded because and I, I I know that that's really hard maybe for you to hear but it was necessary for you to get to the mental place I think that you needed to be to evoke true, real change. Because I was still here. Mm -hmm. And I was very concerned. Like, my biggest concern was, how are you serving Paul by staying? Are you keeping him from hitting what is the bottom? And to the extent that I actually reached out to my ex-husband, my second ex-husband, because I have two ex-husbands, and... He's a really good dude, but he is a recovering addict. And I reached out and I said, I failed you in our marriage because I was like, oh, you've got an addiction and you've fallen back into it. Get out. Like there was no grace or forgiveness. It was just see ya, scram. I didn't know what I was doing then. And A, I felt really guilty. So I did apologize to him. But I said, hey man, like I see that your life is different now. It didn't get different after I left you. What changed? He said, I just had to be done doing it. And I know that Mm. you reached that point where you just had to be done doing that. And so I saw that. That was very apparent to me. I was looking for that. I don't know how well this would have stuck had you retained one or both of those jobs. Right. Oh, I know. Right? And Mm -hmm. so there's so much gratitude I have in my heart for for the men that we're discussing here that you worked for that um that said no more because look at what we have now right yeah and so in inside of that too is it's kind of the same thing it's like there's there's no there's nothing that's going to stop it there's no manipulation right of well i have a family to feed so i have to save my job and i think that's probably would always be if and my situation is unique in that it was mixed in with a job like I, you right. know typically it's just going to be a relationship issue um i decided to screw up and uh, find a way to mix it in with my occupation so 
the the initial I think human reaction there mm-hmm. is and even a Christian human reaction is well I got to put food on the table I got to find a way to separate these things right but to me that was still going down a road that wasn't different enough right because it wasn't that it, it just wasn't actually being true to the people I was around most right and um, this required a complete transformation of who you were yeah and has resulted in that well and continually so I yeah. mean it's just not Daily. even close to I'm not saying you're done well, yeah <laughs> but like but just the the um, not just not being done it's just uh, every day it is hard to um, not be kind of human about it, filled mm-hmm. with regret mm-hmm. for. I mean, there's still th- so many thoughts of of how I could have done or said things differently to not have that loss, mm-hmm. even knowing that that loss was necessary. Right. Um, because we don't know what's next. I mean, I don't know what's next for me. Right. Um. I didn't envision with all the great um, experience and opportunity that I've had in my work life over 20 years now. Um, I never imagined I would be a 41-year-old homemaker. <laughs> but that's kind of what's happened at the moment. Um, and even in in November, I don't know that I imagined that that was going oh, to be the no. case either, right? Especially so, not the first part of this, no. So it's just, it's been driven into a place of making us so super reliant upon God and our faith and Mm -hmm. so out of the mode of... um, Gotta make that paycheck. Gotta make it, grab the next great thing, run after it with everything that we have. I mean, it's just like, but it's also proved that it's like, it's just not it's just worthless you know so outside of of the 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 topic of our conversation I mean that is certainly something that I've learned I just had so much um weight put on that I would slow down that I would do all of these things even be a better Christian after this period of my life was over sure I'll There's get like to the, it yeah get to that because right now you know it's like I'm hiding anyways completely living in sin this is just another piece of it. I might as well take a fortune with me along the way, and then, and then once it's all settled, then we can all we can kind of settle up, and I can right. move on. And so that's pretty stupid, and doesn't work that way. Um, we have been very provided for in these. We have, months. and it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that the the biggest part of what makes it different is the ability to continue um, being a transparent and just genuine person. Right. You know, not even with... Um, Be un- unapologetically yourself. Admitting that I have this addiction or these issues or past issues, present issues, whatever. It's just, yeah, just kind of unapologetic. And just finding, finding ways to live that, like seeking out ways to to live that truth, so to speak, as opposed to always um, 
going down the same road again even with social media i mean social media is what it is um from a kind of distracting perspective like there's that's that's what it is it's going to be distracting it's going to suck time suck but there's still even a choice in that i mean there's there's places you can go on social media that are very good very uplifting very positive great groups you know but there's the other side of that too i mean you can choose to be in a political group or not you can choose to have friends that post the crap that you don't like to see or not i mean there's there's choices along that right you can cultivate that environment right um but avoiding it is still best right well and that was if you're left to your own device yeah it's like you're just gonna let the same crap slide back in right um and so even with this podcast, I mean, like having to log in to, to share it, to try to get um, some form of a listener base through our group of friends, our Facebook friends, you know, just other social media, just friends in general, um, it's the easiest way to do that. But even in that, it's difficult because it's like I don't, I don't want to. Right, you don't want I don't to plug back in. Want that. to, and that's big. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to find um, a way back in, so to speak. Right. And I haven't had in a long time thoughts about like what other, what the next job is that I could get because it's it's insane how quickly you can adapt. Mm. how quickly you can realize that you don't need something that you thought you needed so desperately bad. Right. Um, For both your own value system and financial, you know, like I just felt important. I was um, doing well financially and cares. Um, Because none of it matters. Right. And that's, I mean, that was really key for me was that if we lose the house, we lose the house. Lose the car, well... We won't be able to pull the trailer, so that's kind of problematic. But it's like you start yeah. to prioritize. Like, what can we lose? What can't we lose? And right. I got to the point where, like, we could lose the house as long as we still have each other, our kids, <laughs> and Jesus. And we will, not in that order, Jesus obviously comes first. The point is that as long as we have those basic things, we're going to be fine. We'll find a way to be fine. And so, I don't know. And just so everyone understands, like... Paul's talking about not being on social media. One of my stipulations was he had like eight different pages of apps on his phone. And I mean, you couldn't find anything. And one of the things that I've learned about life, whether it's physical clutter in your home, uh, virtual clutter in your email, clutter like six million text message threads saved on your phone, um, or even apps that you're looking at. When there's that much clutter, you can't see anything. It's it's like it becomes background noise, or for me, like I would try and find an app in his phone. I'm like, how can I spy on this guy's phone if I can't even see anything? Holy crap, there's just too many apps. So I said, <laughs> all the apps need to go. All extraneous text messages need to go. Um, like emails need to go. Like you need to pare down this phone. And I had been saying this to him for forever because it drove me insane. And I was like, it's making him mentally ill, I swear to you. It's <laughs> too many apps. Um, mostly because it made me mentally ill just trying to look at them. Um, so he, I don't even remember if I reiterated it or if you just did it one day, but all the apps were gone. 
He had access to his work stuff, which he didn't need after the first week. And he had access to the Bible app. And, I mean, he deleted Safari. You could still find And, like, he could still backdoor it at, at, at any way on his phone or a computer. You know, we have devices here he could get on. We've tried a VPN before, and I'm not saying they're not good. They are, but they pull a lot of data. And um, you know, our phone plan obviously changed. And so we'd been trying to keep data to a minimum. Um, they, they drained the battery. So there's a whole lot of things there. And honestly, I don't want him to need an app or software on his phone, to be honest with me. Hmm. I have always been able to tell when things were not right in our marriage. And I have that sixth sixth sense. That was always an issue. That's why I kept hounding him all the time. Like, sh- stuff's going on. You know, I was, I was in his phone. What's crazy is that, do you remember when you gave me access to your phone? Mm-hmm. Was that June or was it before June? It was before June. It was yeah. like the last time I found out about the porn. And I was like, your phone is my phone. Guys, I was in that phone a lot. Hmm. Not maybe as often as I needed to be, but I was in it a lot. And I still, like, the ability to hide is there. Mm-hmm. But something you can't hide is that gut feeling that says something's wrong. And I'm not talking like a fear-based feeling. I'm talking like I knew and my intuition was saying, hey. And so... Well, your gut feeling much less, I mean... You can tell, not just by a gut feeling, but but me. I mean, my body language, my actions. I'm different if I'm hiding something. Yes, very much so. And I, so I always knew, like I always knew, not that he would admit it, but I have, now that we're in full disclosure mode, and please don't think that we don't fight or argue. Um, we do. <laughs> I'm not a super easy person to live with. I can be very hard-headed, very stubborn. I uh, bite people's heads off, especially in the morning before my coffee. Um, It's not like, you know, we're all over here and it's daisies and rainbows. You know, we still argue. The difference is he no longer lets me just hold on to it and not talk about it, which before it would be like, all right, well, I'll just avoid this and then we don't have to talk about it and then eventually she'll get over it or I'll apologize or she'll apologize or one of the things. Now we have to talk about it, which is super annoying for me because I don't necessarily want to talk about it. I kind of just want to be mad. <laughs> I'm not allowed to do that anymore because it's not just him that's giving full disclosure. Because sometimes when I get angry, I'm feeling bitter about him griping about something he's doing in the home. And I'm like, hey, man, how many years was I a stay-at-home mom doing all the stuff, doing all the chores while you were off? doing whatever with other women like and that that makes it sound like you were doing it every weekend that that's not the case the point is i have those moments where resentment and bitterness rear their heads and he knows that and so he's like hey what are you actually mad about today and (laughs) so then we have to talk about it but i feel like i can now trust my intuition and so if i were to feel that feeling again i'd be like hey what's going on uh, whereas for years, I didn't trust it. Like, I, I kind of did. It's like, something's wrong. And I would go look and I couldn't find anything. It's like, well, obviously you're wrong. Um, but it's not about a VPN or spy software. It's, it's about accountability. And I know now, like, I see you trying to be accountable to God, which means more than you being accountable to me. And I, I have a lot of faith in that. So that's a big huge difference that was a long way of saying that 
full disclosure, getting rid of the clutter, like those are practical things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the road is, I mean, it's not long. It's just kind of ever-present. There's no end here. No. Um, and getting used to that. Um, but here we are. You know, this is uh, February, what, today? Seven? Uh, yes. And um, <laughs> 2022. Yeah, November... 10th? You probably have it in your head, yeah. So working on, what is that, three months? November, December, yeah. November to December, December to January, January to February. That's three months. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had to can it out of my hands, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but three months of time, you know, in the whole spectrum, the whole the whole thing is really small. So mm. um, this whole effort is to to help us too. To right. help us stay um, present, exactly where we've been talking about where we are now, so to speak, mm-hmm. as a result of of knowing that it would be different. But um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we've brought up in the first few episodes here that. Um, really require some some more insight um, some more understanding mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that we really haven't even touched on that do yeah that all contribute to what's happened but also um, how are we dealing with it now right and that's really I think where we want to get to is that this is just one kind of piece of our puzzle of just being together in a marriage with a faith in God. How do you do it? Right. How do you do it? Living through our struggles kind of more openly as a piece of accountability. Right. Um, Because one of the things that does work for me is you know when I am feeling um, really kind of part of something I don't want to let down the, the person that I'm I'm working with, working for. And so there's a there's kind of a, a willingness to to be all in and for whatever reason that has always been outside of marriage and outside of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in me for sure. Um, and now that all in kind of resides just right here and so that's our goal is to to really make this something that um especially for for myself to keep me focused to keep me in a place where I'd be letting a lot of people down if um anything were to continue to happen right that um 
it's a place of of almost guiding myself constantly through conversation right. and through reminding and through talking um, about other places in our, our lives where um, things have started to change and started to improve, um, but being super real about the fact that we're certainly not done or in mm-hmm. no place of perfection. Um, but I'm excited about it because just just necessary yeah to to share wow. and so and I mean you you said to me that if you were to just say this and it was public knowledge like you wouldn't have anywhere to hide anymore mm-hmm. and I mean for me, the reason I wanted you to have at least one friend that you told and your dad was because I thought about, I thought I like, I put myself in your shoes for a minute and I thought if my dad knew what I had done and then I went to go try and do it again, it'd be like, I'm taking him into the room with me. Mm. And I thought it'll be like his dad's there. And I just wanted every single hurdle we could throw in the way to make it harder. Every single, because I know how addiction works, because I'm a recovering freaking cigarette addict and an, an, an addict of trying to numb pain, <laughs> right? I don't know what else to call it because I never really got hooked on drugs, but the point is I, I know what it's like to be addicted to trying to numb pain and every hurdle you can put in your way, every stopgap you can throw, every time you make it more difficult to get that fix, it's easier to stop doing it and you knew that inherently too and Mm -hmm. so you disclosures disclosure at this level is not for everybody but this just happens to be the way in which we have been called to do this yeah but disclosure is important it's an important part of recovery is being open and honest with somebody or somebody's absolutely um, another thing that is on our list of resources is a book and we can get into that in more depth in a different podcast if you'd like to but uh, if you're looking for good reading um, Samson and the Pirate Monks by Nate Larkin is an incredible book I read it, Paul read it um, we have a friend who read through it it was actually suggested to us very early on and it helped it helped tremendously I know it's probably mostly written for men or the person who is the uh, addict in this case but for me to be able to read that and get a different perspective of what that feels like on the other side was really helpful and very insightful so I can't recommend that enough that's Samson and the Pirate Monks by Nate Larkin. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely recommend giving that a read. Yeah, it's probably what actually made me more comfortable with there are so many different levels of how this works, but the most important thing is to just be transparent. Right. And uh, stop pulling punches and just to, to share. Yeah. And then be comfortable with other people sharing. Um because we all got a lot of shit, so. 
And honestly, at the end of the day, what does any public court of opinion matter? Exactly. It doesn't. Right. So. So I want to wrap it up. Uh, I don't know. Play the rest of our awesome song by Tasha Layton. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks for all your support. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to reach out. If you have not subscribed yet, please do. And also, if you could hop on Spotify and Apple or whatever you're listening to us through and give us a review, that would be fantastic. That would be great. Yeah. And we love you guys. See you later. Though the mountains may be moved into the sea.